are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. I want to invite you into a time of scripture reading. Um, we will be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we were in this last week as well. And we'll be reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, and we'll be reading out of the ESV. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you by God's power, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about that grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we are able to gather and examine your word and return to this passage. Father, we pray that you would be with Darren as he brings this uh, teaching to us. Uh, May he be led by your Holy Spirit. And Father, uh, open our eyes and our ears uh, to what is in your word, uh, that our hearts may be continually aligned with yours, and we may look forward to the uh, salvation and um, the return of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. If you don't already have your Bibles, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Go to First Peter. Hopefully, you already have them open. Um, I hope you have been reading through First uh, Peter. You've got your bookmarks, your reading scripture for the year. Um, if you don't have one of these bookmarks, on your way out, if you're in the theater, on your way out, they're on the table out in the lobby. You can get one there, um, and just reminding you that each week you're reading the passage that we'll be teaching out of the following week, so you're really preparing your heart and mind um, to go through that. If you're at home and you want one of those, then please just text me, uh, email me. I'll drop them off to you. I've done that already for some, and so have no problem doing that. But we're going to start off with something very different this morning, and uh, even to the point where we're going to... 
give everybody a chance to kind of think through something and even talk about it. Uh, so I'm going to start off with a question. If you could have one prayer request, okay, one prayer request that you could take to God and it would, it would be answered, it would definitely be answered, one prayer request. Now, real quick, don't mess this up. I'm not saying if you could have one wish, just one heart's desire, I'm not saying that, I'm saying one prayer request, all right? If you could have one prayer request and it would be answered, what would that prayer request be? What we're going to do now, if you're watching at home, we're going to put the uh, First Peter uh, slide there up on the screen at home, and we're going to get quiet here for just a second, okay? Uh, I'm, just so we must kind of rectify something. Can you mute this mic here, Jeff? I appreciate that, or else they'll still hear me at home if I mute this. So uh, we're going to get quiet here. Uh, if you're at home, discuss this. Think about it. If you're watching with somebody, talk with them. If you're just watching uh, by yourself, then just think through it. Maybe write something down, and we'll come back together here in just a couple of minutes, okay? All right. We're going to welcome everybody back in to the conversation. We had some really good stuff and some fun here. Uh, hopefully at home, you were able to answer that. Um, I hope, even if you didn't say it or, or if you didn't discuss it, I hope you had something in your mind because we're actually going to circle back around to it here in just a little bit, okay? So um, if you're not aware, okay, I think most of you are, we of course are in our series, First Peter, Living as Resident Exiles, and um, the purpose of this series is for us to learn how to, as Christians, um, to live in a world where we just no longer belong, okay? We just don't belong anymore. So we are trying to see how to live as Christians in a world we just don't belong. And I kind of gave the example last week of being a Cincinnati Bearcat fan walking into the uh, WVU Coliseum and just searching, like frantically searching for somebody else rooting for Cincinnati so that I knew... Um, if a fight broke out, where to run, okay? And so, because I just knew in that moment, I just didn't belong, okay? But we're learning this, and uh, Paul, uh, I know I told you I'm gonna do that a lot. Peter often uh, or uses a very explicit, and I'm gonna use that word, title for us, elect exiles, okay? And we wanna remember that it, as exiles, that's different as compared to a tourist. If you're a tourist, you know, go to another country, you're going over there to kind of take in the sights, you're just gonna sample the best they have, but the whole time knowing that you're gonna get out, you're gonna go back home, you're gonna head back to where you belong. And uh, we know that an exile is different than a tourist, an exile is different than a citizen. A citizen is uh, firmly planted where they're at, and this is my home, these are my people, this is where I belong, that is a citizen. Or you can be a, uh, an immigrant where you are going to another place and you want it to be your place. You want it to be where you belong, and this is my place, and this is my people. Whereas an exile, an exile's in a land that is not their own. They recognize it, it's not their own, and they long to be where they belong. And for us, we know that that is nowhere on earth. When Peter's talking to the church, a lot of them might have thought about that as uh, you know, the Jewish people going, we long to be back in Jerusalem. We long to be back with our people. But he goes into helping us understand how it's not a physical place that we long to be here on earth, but it is in the kingdom to come physically alongside our heavenly father and our savior, Jesus. And so when he goes into that, we covered it last week, 
that as exiles, we have reasons to worship. Because obviously we consider and go, God, why would you make us exiles? Like, why can we not just feel a little more comfortable and feel like we belong a little bit more? Why would we worship God? Why would he do this? But he goes, Peter helps us see in four ways that we have to worship even though we are exiles. And if you remember, um, the first one was that he has, God has brought us life. Okay, God has brought us life. Now, rem- check this out, okay? It's not brought us back to life because you were born dead in your sins. But it's that he has brought us life, not back to life, but he has brought us life. And in that, given us a living hope. It is a living hope because he has brought us life, but also because Jesus is alive, we have hope. So we have a living hope. And then he has given us an inheritance. And this is where we start to see that it's not a physical place on earth where we long to be as exiles, but we see this inheritance that is unfading and untouched and uh, not corrupted and not decaying. And, and we see that it's, it is an inheritance to come. It is an inheritance in heaven. And then that he is sustaining us. And we looked at the scripture that talks about how he who began a good work in you will complete that work. He is not giving up on you. And so looking at those, and then all four of those things, Peter helps us understand, they're according to God's great mercy. It is not, and I say this, I feel like I, feel like I beat this drum all the time, but I want everybody to remember, you have not received these things out of any good work of your own or out of any merit of your own or because God looked at you and got, you know what, I really want her on my team. Or, or you know what, I, I think my team would be better off with him on my team. No, it is according to his grace and his mercy alone that we have been given these things. And so understanding this, that's just the intro. That's just the recap. Okay, we've been over these things. But understanding this, The topic that Peter steps into next is approachable because if he just rolls right into the topic that we're covering today, I think it would kind of make people back up and go, wait, whoa, 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 like, hold on. But instead, he's like, no, no, listen, you are in exile, but you have hope and you've been brought to life and you have an inheritance. Our home is still coming. Like, we're not there yet, but we will be one day. And then he steps into a tougher topic. And if you want or if you would join me in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, looking at verses uh, 6 through 9. It's what he says. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, when we look at verse six, he starts off with, in this you rejoice. And it's like, okay, in this you rejoice. In in what? we rejoice in what we rejoice. And it's, it's recapping what has already been said in the first five verses. But looking at verse four, you can say, you can look at the, the inheritance that is to come. Okay. And then verse five, where he says, uh, that it is, uh, being guarded. Okay. That we are being guarded 
through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last day. And then in verse 7, when you look at that, uh, you can see talking about may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So understanding in this we rejoice. In what do we rejoice? This salvation that has been brought to us as sons and daughters of God. Like that's what we're rejoicing in. And he is expounding on this entire portion in the the first part of his letter here that we rejoice in this salvation. And because of that, we've we've ended the last two weeks with the, the so what question. If you're in Grassroots Institute, then you you understand that question. So what? What does that mean? What do we do? It changes our perspective from a temporary perspective to an eternal perspective. And with an eternal perspective, now we can enter into the topic of suffering. Because it is a huge topic. Did you know that during this pandemic, the sale of Bibles has gone through the roof. And I think we can interpret that pretty easy, that people are just looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're looking, all the suffering, why is this happening? We can enter into this topic because we do not have a temporary perspective. We have an eternal perspective. And so we can see uh, first in verse six, look, it says, uh, though now for a little while, Okay, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Now, these various trials that we've been grieved by, um, these can be uh, that persecution for your faith. Okay, um, it could be uh, just, I'm going to use this term mental anguish that the weight of everything going on in the world is just hard to process and weighing us down. It could be physical. Where I think a lot of us know, I, I, always, I always say this, I don't feel old, okay? I'm 40. And for some of you right now, it's like, no, nah, you're old. And for some of you are like, you're not old at all, okay? I don't feel old until I try to do something, like play basketball with younger people. Then I feel old, okay? Or... Like, mow the yard, and halfway through, I'm just done. And it's a riding mower. No, I'm just kidding. It's a push mower. But, um, but the idea is that, you know, physically, we know our bodies are breaking down. And it might go beyond that, that somebody battles a sickness, a disease, or something going on, that, that we see these various trials that grieve us, that weigh us down. However, there's a very curious word, that he uses. He says, if necessary, if necessary. So we understand through him saying, if necessary, that there is purpose behind the pain. Please understand, God never lost control when something hard entered your life or my life. God didn't step back and go, ah, I missed that one. Nick, my bad. It slipped through, slipped through the cracks there. 
uh, I had control. And then like that didn't happen. When pain and suffering enters our lives, it is through the sovereignty of God. He's still in control of that. And there's purpose behind it. That's why he's saying, when these things enter your life, if necessary, that means there's purpose behind it. So here's what we understand through uh, understanding the purpose behind pain. Okay, first of all, our Western attitude. Do you know what our Western attitude is to pain and suffering? Our Western attitude to pain and suffering is that it is to be avoided at all cost. That's our attitude. And I want you to just think about the people you talk to, even your own mindset, that pain and suffering is to be avoided at all costs, that there's nothing to be gained through going through something hard, that it is of the greatest evil when we suffer. And it's because we are so unacquainted with suffering. Let me just give you a really quick, and I'm going to dare say the word divisive example. There's a lot of us that feel like we suffer because we're asked to wear a mask when we go out in public. And I think there's a lot of people all over the world suffering that would go, that's it? Like, that's, that's, what, that's all you've got to deal with? Now, some of us, suffering goes further where it's like, you know what? I'm battling illness. Some of us, the suffering goes further where our family has endured loss. And so we might say, no, I know suffering. But by and large, in our culture, in the West, here, suffering's pretty foreign to us compared to years past and compared to other cultures around the world. And so we think it's to most to be avoided. And, and, and how we respond. Now, catch this, okay? Because I think, not that this is going to go over your heads or anything, it's not, because if I can understand it, Everybody in this room can understand it, including, you know, Logan, who's like not even a year yet. He can get it if I can get it, okay? So, um, so here's the deal. Um, understanding this, how we respond to suffering reveals who our God is. Does that make sense? I was trying to think of the best way to word that where, where it'll make sense. Because um, that, that, like I said, it kind of up here makes sense, and when it comes out here, it's like, nope, that didn't work, Okay. How we respond to suffering reveals who our God is, okay? So if we say we're Christians, that we believe in God Almighty, that the sovereign God of the universe, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune God, the, the God of the Bible, we believe in God. And when suffering comes, our first thing is to curse God and say, why are you allowing this? Then you are actually making up your own God because you're saying, God, this is the way my life should look if you are God. Instead of saying, God, you're God, so I will take whatever comes my way and I will praise and I'll fight through it. Now, please understand, it doesn't mean we don't question. Feel free to go, God, why is this happening? But then let him answer. Okay, because how many, do y'all, maybe your kids do it right now. As kids, we've all done this. We go to mom and dad with a question, and when we get the answer, it's not the answer we wanted. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Hey, um, can I have chocolate milk cookies and stay up and watch a movie? Because guess what? You ready for this? That would make me really happy. And mom and dad are like, no, <laughs> no. Why? Because they have a bigger picture 
of your life and where it needs to lead and staying up until midnight as a three-year-old eating. And if, listen, real quick, I don't know of anybody in here that lets your kid do that. So if you, if you let your kids do that, I'm not like trying to sneaky, you know, tell you how to parent. Okay. So I don't know anybody who's letting their, although some of you are dropping your heads. I apologize. I don't know anybody who does that. Okay. But, but the idea is the parent has a bigger view of where their child's life needs to go and what healthy is. And so when we see things come into our lives and we ask God, we have to be ready for whatever question he gives us or whatever answer he gives us. It reveals what we think of God, the way we respond to suffering. And uh, Peter gives us an example of why we go through suffering, okay? He, he kind of gives us this word picture. And what he says uh, very simply is um, that though we're grieved, okay, by various trials, that the testing, verse 7, that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, I watched a really cool video one time of how they mine gold, how they, how they extract gold out of the ground. And the first thing they have to do is actually uh, get these, these test uh, samples. So they bore in and, and uh, mine these strips out of the ground, and they'll actually see these veins of gold in it. And they go, okay, this is a place we need to dig. And then they, they kind of crush and crunch through the rock and get the rock to come out. And then they send those rocks uh, through machines that crush them down even further until it's in manageable uh, portions that they throw into these uh, vats that are just hot, that, that boil it down. And it gets so hot that it actually begins to separate the metal from the impurities, the gold, the, the precious metal from the impurities. And then they, they scoop those impurities off the top. And if I'm going to say, is it slag? Is that the word of uh, what it's called? The stuff they get off the top. And the hotter it gets, the more the impurities come out and they scrape that off the top. And then they get it even hotter. And then the more the impurities come out and the hotter it gets, the, the more precious and refined the gold is, the more valuable it is. And I often wonder, what if gold could speak? What if gold could talk? What would it say? Would it tell us, greatest experience of my life, here I am sleeping peacefully in the ground with all my friends around me, and then all of a sudden these machines show up and just take us through the worst thing imaginable, but ultimately on the other end of it, what is it? It is worth something. It is precious. It is valuable. This has been through a refining process. And, and one side note, and I don't think God makes mistakes. I don't think he does things by accident. I think he's very purposeful in what he does. The more precious the gold, the more uh, workable it is. You'd say malleable. You know, it, it's easier, e more, oh gosh, Kelly's going to kill me. Um, more easily shaped. Just take it. Okay, don't tell Kelly. She's in kids today, so I'm off the hook. Um, so, so it's, it's easier to shape. And so I want you to picture this when, when Peter's telling us that when we go through these trials, it's so that our faith can be refined, it can be molded, it can be shaped, and it becomes pure, it becomes worth more. And, and we're able to trust God more because we see him take us through thing after thing after thing and bring us out the other side and our faith grows. And so when we go through these trials, often we want to go, listen, what have I done to anger God? And why am I going through this. And quite often it's like, no, I just got to say, I just want you to trust me more. 
This is for your good. I, I used to hate when my dad said that. Before I get a spanking, it's going to hurt me more than you. And I'm like, whatever. And he's like, this is for your good. And I'm like, okay, then I get to do yours next. Like, let me help you, dad. And then I had sons. And I remember having to go through that process and despising every second of it. Now, they might tell you different. I'm going to give you just so I don't get called out. I had this weird thing. You might have heard me talk about it before. It's depravity. It's evil. I don't know why it happened, okay? I did not enjoy when I had to discipline my sons in that way. But, but for some reason, I have no, I, to this day, I have no idea why. When I, I'm not kidding. When I would spank them and they'd cry, I'd smile. I have no idea why. It's terrible. It's horrible. I did not enjoy it. I'm not like, this is great. It was, I'd go tell, I'd talk to Kelly. I'd be like, why, why am I messed up? Like, what is not connecting up here? It was this weird thing. So you just, I just didn't want to get called out like, hey, your son said you smiled every time. Did not enjoy it, okay? But I digress. So here's the deal. We understand when trials come in our lives, the way we respond to them reveal who our God is. Because if our God is a God of comfort, okay, not, not the God of comfort who comforts us and shelters us and, and holds us, but a God of comfort, then we will run from these trials towards comfort because there's nothing worth going through. However, if we trust in God, we know that these trials, these sufferings are with a purpose. They carry us through for a reason. He is doing something in us for our good and to his glory. So understanding that, he goes on to uh, explain, and I love this, verse 8, though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You know the best example I could come up with, inexpressible joy. It's that type of joy that leaves you speechless. Have you ever gone through something where you wondered why God was taking you through it? And when you got to the other side and you look back, you were just left speechless because you were like, the whole time he was there, the whole time he was carrying me through, the whole time there was purpose in it, the whole time he was doing something. And you're just left speechless. Like you want to say something, you want to worship, but you have nothing. You're just left speechless. I, the best kind of physical example I could give of this, have you ever watched the videos, they come up on my feed or you know, something like that every once in a while, where uh, somebody has been away uh, military for an extended period of time, months, a year, two years, and they come home and their dog sees them for the first time. Have y'all seen those videos? Like you can just see in the way this dog, and please, I'm not equating us with dogs, okay? It's the best example I could think of. That the way this dog is reacting to its owner, like that dog has no way of expressing itself except just going nuts. Like it's just crawling all over, you know, running in circles. And like you could tell the owners like want to pet him and everything, but the dog just is freaking out because the owner's home and he's just running all, he has no way of expressing himself. And that's what I'm like, I don't want us to get this picture of like we see God and we start running in circles and like trying to crawl all over him. And like, I don't want you to picture that, but it is this, this idea that we are just left speechless to the work of God in our lives in suffering. We're just left before him going, God, I see what you're doing. 
I've got nothing. But it's just joy beyond words. Now, he says, he ends this passage very uh, interestingly. He says, verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. This salvation that we rejoice in is something the prophets of the Old Testament, the angels, can only dream of. Because they have not experienced it the way we get to. The prophets were able to, through the Holy Spirit, look ahead and see the Messiah coming, but never got to experience that relationship in the way we do. The angels, and even in the way that some are fallen and some are not, and that relationship they have with God, they don't have that son-daughter relationship like we do with God. It's just something they're only able to dream of, and we're able to just rejoice even more in this salvation because of that. And so we see this, um, I want to say just this very peculiar, special relationship that we get to have with Jesus and God the Father. But I want to end this time together um, asking the question we started with. Okay, so at home, in the room, you, you might have answered the question. One prayer request, and some of you did answer it, okay? But one prayer request I don't want you to raise your hand, okay? But I want to ask at home, in the room, did anybody pray, God, if I could just suffer more for you? Did anybody think, and like I said, don't raise your hand, but did anybody pray that? Like, if I could have one prayer request, it's God that I would just suffer more for you. I, I, I'm, I'm confident in saying probably not. Okay, and, and just so everybody knows, I'm, I'm on the level. Like, when I thought of this question, you know, my first prayer request wouldn't have been, God, just let me suffer more. Like, that's not what I'm thinking. I, and to be honest, I think probably the first thing that came to my mind was world peace. But, you know, that's just because that's like that type of question, the first thing that comes to your mind. But um, understanding, do we have the right view of what suffering is? and what God is doing in it. Did you know, we learned a couple years back, it's actually been uh, probably, it's probably been 15 years ago. I think, I think most of us are aware, if you're not, uh, I encourage you to go to a website, it's called voiceofthemartyrs.com. Uh, just encourage you to go check that out. And if you're, if you're aware, you know, you know this, if not, go there. But um, the hardships that our brothers and sisters in Christ over in China have to go through. Um, not because they're trying to take over the country, but because all they want to do is worship Jesus. And the hardships that they go through because of that. And we learned about 15 years ago that the church in China is praying for the church here in America. They are praying for us. Listen, if you understood what the prayers of the church in China look like, that would encourage you that the church in China is praying for the church in America, except they have a very specific prayer that they're praying for us. And that prayer is that we would experience persecution, that we would experience 
suffering for our faith. Because they know through their experience the intimacy and the depth of relationship we get with our Heavenly Father through these sufferings. They're praying for us to suffer. Not because they hate us or because they're jealous of us, but because they desire for us to know our Heavenly Father in a greater way. I remember talking with one pastor. Um, He was over in India, and he was at a seminary. Okay, so seminary, men and women there being trained uh, for ministry work. And in this seminary, he was meeting just amazing people. Once you entered seminary, and I want you to think about this, not entered seminary as in like, I'm enrolled. I'm talking about walked through the gates of the walled compound of seminary. You didn't leave because your life was in danger if you did. So he is meeting people in here. They've been here for a while, being trained for ministry. And he actually asked them, he said, hey, can we take some of these individuals back and let the church in America meet them because they would encourage the church so much, they would teach them so much. And the leaders of the seminary go, no, 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 you can't, we can't let you take them. Why not? You don't understand that the church would be so encouraged by this that they'd have such a message. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. If you take them to America and they see how easy you have it, then they won't be able to accomplish what God needs them to accomplish here because they'll just want to be there where it's too easy. To be able to graduate from seminary in India, the one that he was a part of, you have to have physically been assaulted because of sharing the faith of Jesus Christ because they know if you haven't experienced that, you're going to and they need to know that their people are ready. So understand that when we say God is a God of love and he said, well, then why did he allow suffering? Listen, first of all, it's a fallen, broken world. Second of all, there's purpose behind what we're going through. And I want to wrap up with We talked about in the intro to this series that Peter, if he wasn't undergoing the um, persecution that was happening in the church, he saw it coming. Because the person who was in power in Rome at this time is a man named Nero, who was famous for, um, I don't know, pitting Christians against lions for entertainment. Um. It was Nero and the two emperors that followed him were known for throwing extravagant parties uh, for themselves and their friends, and it would be at night, and the way they would light these parties up is by impaling Christians on poles, dousing them in oil and lighting them on fire to let them burn while they went about their party. We haven't experienced suffering like that. I am... Let me make very clear, I am not a prophet. Don't ever, I'm not a prophet. But I am going to hearken back to last summer. I can remember because I was sitting underneath a pine tree uh, in North Carolina and I was recording our live stream for that day because we were still, uh, we weren't in the building yet together. And I remember uh, looking around where I was sitting and there were pine needles everywhere. And, and I don't know how many of you remember me using the illustration. And I think what God is doing is, you, has anybody ever cut their own Christmas tree? You ever been to a cut your own? Okay. First of all, if you haven't done that. You got to, it's a lot of fun. Okay. You go and market and you go out, they give you a, a saw and you cut it yourself. But, but you always look at your Christmas tree and go, that's a beautiful Christmas tree. 
And, and I remember where we went, they'd, they'd get the Christmas tree and they'd, they'd drag it back to your car for you. And they, you know, you're just like, man, it's a beautiful tree. Can't wait to get it home. And, and they would take that tree and they would just start beating it against the ground. They'd stand it up, start beating it against the ground. And of course, I'm like, man, take, you know, like, it's my Christmas tree. Like, take it easy there. But when they would take the Christmas tree away from that spot, there was just this ring of dead needles. I never saw it. Like, we're looking at this tree going, man, I think it's the most beautiful Christmas tree ever. Like, we have picked the best one out here. And there's just this ring of dead needles. I remember sitting at the beach in uh, North Carolina where I was underneath this tree recording. I saw these needles around me. And, and I got this picture that what the church in America has been going through since last winter is God just shaking the church. And all the... the men and women that want to claim Christ but don't actually love Jesus. The ones that want to say, yes, I'm a Christian, but, but there's no fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence in their lives. It just, God just shaking them. And, and for some, shaking to fall away. For some, shaking to wake them up and to bring them to faith. But I think there's a reason that the church has been going through this for the past year plus. There's a new level of hardship coming to America for the church. And we have to be ready to stand on God's word and stand for truth, even if it means suffering. Let me give you an example. I don't think we're too far. Now listen, I'm not the doom and gloom guy. I'm not the conspiracy theory guy, okay? If you want to talk conspiracy theories, I've got some friends you can talk to. I'm not the guy to talk to, okay? But I don't think we're far from something very particular being said from God's word, and all of a sudden, our live stream cut feed just cuts because all of a sudden, that's, that's hate speech. You know, that's, you know, you're inciting violence or something. They're going to give some reasons. Our live stream is just going to cut because we're proclaiming God's truth. What if we no longer have a space because nobody will rent to us? Nobody will sell property to us. And I know a lot of you are sitting there going, man, come on, this is America. Yep, it is. But I bet if we talked to people 100 years ago, they would say the same thing, going, no, this is America, and they'd see what's happened, and they'd go, oh. We've got to be prepared for suffering. But in that suffering, we rejoice, because there is purpose behind the pain. And with an eternal perspective, not a temporary perspective, we can rejoice in it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, proclaim your word, proclaim your truth. God, I pray that you would just continue to strengthen us, prepare us, take us through what we need to go through so that we can be ready to continue to proclaim your truth. God, that we would be uh, the active hands and feet as your body, Lord, that we would um, let your truth be known, that we would let your grace and your mercy be known, but Father, that we would be purified through these sufferings, through these hardships, that we would be like this, this gold going through the process, Lord, that you would continue to form us more and more into the image of your Son. Grow our faith, grow our understanding. Lord, strengthen us together 
unify us together. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.